0: Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue. She's had over 30 years experience helping families with everything from bringing a newborn home to toddler tantrums to a combination of newborns and toddler tantrums. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If you've got a question for Chris and you're watching us on Facebook Live, please pop your questions below in the comments and we'll get to them as soon as we can. Also, during the week, if you feel like something comes up and you'd like to email us, you can send it to conversation at kindling.com.au. The first question we have is from Claire, who has a five and a half month old. The last few nights, our daughter has hated going to bed at night. And when she wakes up during the night for a feed, it's very difficult to get her back to sleep. There's a lot of crying and moving around in her cot. She usually wakes between six and 7 a.m. We'll have a sleep about 8.30, usually for one and a half hours. Then another sleep around 11 to, or 12 then if we are lucky, another around three. And then we start trying to put her to bed around 6, 6.30. She has been a good night sleeper for a few months now and can go from sleeping through to maybe waking up twice for a feat, depending on whether I have worked that day. She is breastfed and we have been introducing solids for about a month. I know her teeth are giving her a lot of grief. Nothing through yet though. And I'm just after some advice on how to deal with this in the best way as at the moment she would prefer to fall asleep on the boob and sleep on me, in bed, with me. How can we get through this stage without having to retrain her to go to sleep in her cot and to self-settle?
1: You can't. I know, I knew you were <laughs> going to say that. I was like,
0: oh, this answer. So
1: if she's in your bed on your breast, you know, having a lovely, cuddly, snuggly moment, she's going to go for that as much as she can. So I think you've got all the right you know, behaviour in the right sequence going. And just intermittently, it seems to have just probably due to going back to work. She's ended up in your bed. She's ended up with extra feeds. And they're quick. They learn really quickly. So three or four nights of doing that, and she's learnt it. So, you know, I think... We could sit here and say you could rock her to sleep in the room, don't breastfeed her, but in the end there has to be some sort of halfway mark. She's gone from everything she knew in the cot to now everything she knows in the bed and, and we just got to pare that back and, and remember what the message is that you're trying to tell her. So if you're really comfortable with feeding her and co-sleeping in her bed, uh, in your bed, sorry, not in her bed, you won't fit, but in, in your bed, <laughs> Then And that works for you, then you can quite easily go ahead. But to, to take it from where it is now and to take it back into her cot, there has to be a little bit of sleep training involved in that. And you can do that as gently as you need to. But it, the main message would be that um, you put her into her bed. Um, you might leave her for a few minutes. You might go in, um, pat rock, try and get her to settle in her, her cot If that's failing, pick her up, give her a cuddle and put her back down. And then over the next few days, as it seems to feel better, extend the times to give her the chance to fall back asleep again. So give her a couple of days where you're quite close and you're there with her and then back it away a little bit, giving her a bit more of a chance to try and self-settle. But there is no easy way of going from the bed to the cot without some sort of crying involved or some sort of constant being there and reassuring her that this is where you want her to sleep so whether that be crying from her or crying from you depends on the day probably but yeah
0: so do you you see that um in your experience, do babies tend to re- react behaviourally like that when a mum goes back to work, as in wanting I think to be so. in with
1: them? And- well, I think it's more that there's another adjustment in the house. You know, there was the adjustment to a new baby and, and the mum and the baby got into a nice little groove. And now there's the pressures of when you go back to work and you're tired and they're tired. And especially if they've been to daycare, they might have had really big days in daycare. So it's much easier to give that comfort as a, as a nurturing comfort of a feed and in your bed but very quickly it can turn back on you and some people are really happy to just to move on to um, co-sleeping but in this case where it seems that you want her to go in her bed and to sleep you know for six or eight hours and then have a feed and then sleep again which is really appropriately appropriate for her age then I think a little bit of work needs to be done to do that. And you can do that, you know, really gently. And then as she gets used to it, just increase it and increase it, you know. So it doesn't have to be full on from the beginning. You can just do it slowly.
0: Good luck with that, Claire. Yeah. We have a question from Alina. Her baby's nearly a year old and has never slept through the night. Ouch also have to bounce him to sleep. I yep. ended up bringing him in with us three months ago as I couldn't go any longer without sleep. Yes. Totally get that. He also has a bottle during the night. Is it normal and any tips on helping him to sleep through? That's from Alina.
1: Alina, oh, look, how varied normal is it? It probably depends on who you're speaking to, but by the age of one, they generally don't need a bottle overnight. So they don't need it for their nutrition. They usually are having three good meals in the day. They're probably having one, snack, if not two snacks, and they can have up to three bottles in the day as well. So they're getting well fed. So the first thing I would do here is there's a couple of things going on. So you've got to think about what part of this you're going to fix first. So I would decrease the amount of milk in the bottle and slowly wean him off the bottle. And then again, like the previous, um, the previous question is about getting him to sleep through the night and sleep in his bed. So we did a good podcast on this mm-hmm. age group. Well, he was nine, nine or 10 months old when we yes. did it. And if you go back and, and read, the, um, listen to that, I think you'll find the steps in there to try and adjust him into going to sleep in in his bed on his own and it's a little bit of giving him a little bit of time to do it and giving him a lot of reassurance when you're in there and the time frame around doing it like how to do it and what to consider before you start doing it because he's never slept the previous one had slept so it was just a matter of resetting her back but this little one has never slept. And that was similar to the little boy that we so did the podcast. The of, it's called The Promise
0: of Sleep. And you can find it um, in, wherever you get your podcast, You can also find it on the Kindling app or yeah. free or on the website. And the episode that Chris is talking about is where we follow Chris as she consults with a family trying to settle their baby.
1: Yeah. And I think that would give her the steps to start it because he hasn't done it before. So let, I would say do that. Give yourself a good week to be able to do it, and I think you'll see a great improvement within that week.
0: Good luck, Elena. This one comes from Claire. My three-year-old toddler is having meltdowns over new food. I'm trying to engage him with joining the family for dinner by having him help prepare dinner, sitting him at the table to join us for dinner and asking for his input in menu planning for dinner ideas, except when he says marshmallows.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) a dessert.
0: (laughs) I think he's nervous about new foods, is fussy, but also dinner may be turning into a power struggle. He is very unhappy about sitting down at dinner time and would rather be running around. If we don't give him alternative foods for dinner, other than what is on his plate, he wakes up in the night complaining of being hungry. Any suggestions?
1: Loads of suggestions. There's Well, one thing I think is that this is really normal for a whole lot of parents. That's the first thing. And there's a little bit of where's he at. So he's at pushing boundaries, which is the I'm not going to sit down at the table, the thing I would consider is how much is he eating in that whole day before you even sit him down to the table? So is it realistic? Um, so that's along the first lines that I'd be thinking about. The timing, what he's eaten that day, um, you know, he's pushing a boundary, so what What behaviours are we going to put around sitting down as a family? But I like the idea that that's what you want to do. You want to sit him down around as a family. Also, we should feed him off the family diet, but maybe putting one or two things on the plate that he recognises and that he likes is going to entice him to sit down. And I think it's about giving him the opportunity to taste them. It's up to him whether he eats them or not. So our job as a parent is to make sure we feed them, that we give them the right food in the right time frame, in the right amounts. It's their job to eat it. So if they're not going to eat it, that's fine. Don't don't get too worked up about that. And if he's hungry in the middle of the night, give him a drink of water and tell him breakfast will be at six. (laughs) So it's more this is probably more about typical, normal three year old behavior, amount of food that they've eaten in the overall day and that when they see new foods, it's unfamiliar to them. So presenting it often also helps. And just family behaviour about, well, if you're not going to sit down, we're not going to play this game. So I think it's about all of those things. Um, And and you've got to pick out which bit you're going to start with first. So the first thing I would do is make sure his food You know, you're feeding him in the right time frames, um, that he hasn't overeaten in the day. So had lots of snacks within a couple of hours of trying to give him dinner. And when presenting him with the food, there's something on there that that looks familiar to him that you know he'll eat. And then then work on the behaviour around sitting down.
0: And Dr. Jennifer Cohen, yes. um, who's also known as a doc- uh, healthy, fussy eating doctor, doctor, she recommends, I know because I have a fussy eater as well, Claire, and she, what I love what she says about the family meal is where you put everything on the table, regardless of what yeah. it is, and they can serve themselves. Like she's, yeah. She recommends that for fussy eaters mm. and exactly what... Um, Chris is saying if they don't want to eat it, they don't put it on their plate. Yep. And I wish I'd done that. I really wish I'd done that. At it's three it's actually how the Mediterranean
1: like. feed their families. Like I've done loads of work overseas and the Mediterranean just put everything on the table and the child can eat the whole bowl of an- anchovies if it feels like that. <laughs> but they don't put extra children's food on the table. They just put the meal down and let them navigate through the table. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's too late for me. Mine's yeah. six years old. That's anyway, right. <laughs> <We just laughs> That differently over
0: here. <laughs> uh, this one's from Josie, who has a second baby due in a few weeks. Um, I'm looking for advice on introducing the bottle to a breastfed baby. I'm due with my second in a few weeks, and I'd like the flexibility of offering a bottle of expressed milk if I need to miss the odd feed. My first baby completely rejected the bottle, so I'm keen to avoid that. Should I first introduce? There's a few questions here. Yeah. Store them in your brain, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, should I first introduce the bottle? And how regularly? Yeah. Should it initially be from dad? When will they accept it from me? And are there any particular brands of bottles you recommend? Okay. Keep all of those in your brain. <laughs> I can do I'll, this. I'll,
1: I'll, you prompt you. me. Yes. Okay. So I completely understand the um, bottle. You know, giving a bottle, especially if you struggled with the first child who never took a bottle. There's a balance here though. So if we introduce the bottle too soon, it can have an effect on your breastfeeding, not in terms of the baby going to the breast, but in terms of the milk production. So the first six weeks, I would say establish a good feeding pattern with your breastfeeding before you give them a bottle. So in the first six weeks, your breast milk is going up and down. So we want that to regulate. You produce more milk with your second baby than your first. So we don't want to interfere with maybe a bottle and then risk things like mastitis and things like that. Once we get to six weeks, so this answers the when, so once we get to six weeks, what I do is um, I start to give a little bit of a bottle in the evening and they can have it every evening and as well as a breastfeed. So we're not actually substituting the feed for a bottle, but we're getting the baby to practice on the bottle. The sequence is called feed bath feed and in the beginning. I just get 40 mils of express milk, which you could express in the morning after the morning feed. And I give the baby the 40 mils. It doesn't matter whether it comes from mum or dad. The baby's hungry, they'll take the 40 mils. And then I give them a bath and then I give them a full breastfeed. Now that gets them sucking on the bottle. So at any point where you might need to skip a feed because you're out or you're, you're you know, caught up doing something that you rem- you can then give a bottle and the baby most likely will take the bottle The bottle of choice for me and there are thousands of bottles out there well the two that I like are the dr. Brown's and the pigeon um, so I would go with a wide neck bottle not a standard bottle because the standard baby bottle will make the baby shut its mouth into a smaller gate so you want a wider gate for the bottle. So they're my bottle suggestions. Um, The thing you have to really think about is not skipping the feed at the moment. So if you're really tired because you have two children, you brought them home, you know, you're feeding one all the time and the other one's looking at you, demanding things. And your husband does a feed and you sleep through, you have to be really careful because your risk of mastitis could be greatly increase. so as a one-off you've got to remember if you miss a feed you've got to substitute it with expressing initially okay in time and as the baby gets older and sleeps longer that's not as important but initially in those early weeks you have to do like for like
0: And once baby comes, feel free to give us a call back. Yeah, absolutely. And any other tips? This is Kindling Helpline with Mother Craft Nurse, Chris Minogue, where we take your questions and put them to Chris. She has over 30 years experience helping families around the country. So you may put your questions below the video if you're watching us via Facebook Live, or you can email us during the week at conversation at kindling.com.au. Fiona um, is looking for some advice about nap times as her baby approaches a year old. Oh, yeah. um, so I was wondering if you may be able to advise her for wake times between naps for 10, 11 and 12 month olds and also how much sleep they need during the day. Yep. That's the first part of the question. Yep. The second part of my question is how do I adjust my little one's sleep routine to accommodate for daylight savings, which is coming up in, in a, a few, few weeks.
1: weeks. We will get a truckload of information about daylight saving. So the good thing is that, that from 10 months to 12 months, the rhythm of their day is much the same. So they usually don't drop to one sleep till 14 months. So what, we're about, what I'm about to explain will take you through till 14 months. So ten um, in this time frame, they need to be awake for about three to three and a half hours in the morning. So if they got up at six, I'd be putting them to bed between nine and 9.30. And I would give them a minimum of 45 minutes sleep, so more like a cat nap, maybe an hour. And then again, they're awake for three to three and a half hours before they have a long afternoon sleep. So I'm looking for roughly about three hours in the total day with about 45 minutes to an hour in the morning and two to two and a half hours in the afternoon, depending on what they had in the morning. And they generally stay in that rhythm till they're about 14 months where the two sleeps will merge together and they have a sleep about mid-morning to lunchtime of about two to two and a half hours. So I think as long as you get in at least three hours in the day, you're doing really well and it should be in a smaller nap and then a bigger sleep in the afternoon. And, uh, Do we need to worry about daylight saving? Oh, daylight saving. So daylight saving, we're going to go backwards. So we have to absorb an hour in the day. So in that day, you've just got to stretch them back out. So they go to bed at 7 o'clock at night. So for instance, if um, it's going to go backwards, so where they might have woken at 6, it'll be five. Sorry about that. It'll be five. But I just start the day. They've had their sleep. So I'd start the day, I'd put him down three to three and a half hours later, but I might let him sleep, you know, another half an hour, 20 minutes more in that first sleep. Now, what I would do with a one-year-old is I'd give them a tiny little sleep around lunchtime and then give them a slightly later sleep in the afternoon so that they get closer to seven o'clock in actual time so you've got to extend their day out, and then when they go to bed at 7 o'clock, they'll wake up at 6 the next morning, and they've absorbed that one hour. Does that Do you- sort of make sense?
0: <laughs> um, well... It doesn't make sense to me because my children don't sleep during the day. But I'm sure it makes sense to Fiona. And uh, thank you for asking that question, Fiona, because, because now I'm going to ask a question for my children, Chris. Okay. So, so what you... about when your kids um, uh, don't have a sleep? Why don't we go? Let, let me be kind and not just talk about me for one moment. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's start with someone who's got a toddler who has a day
1: nap. Just one single just day nap. Just one nap. sleep. Okay, so a toddler with one sleep, so they're going to get up an hour earlier. Um, I try, if he can, to push them out by 20 minutes of their normal time. So toddler, let's say they normally go to bed at 12 and sleep till two and then they go down at seven. So I try and get them to go to bed at 12.30 push the sleep, that'll push the sleep to about 2.33 and then you should be able to get them to seven o'clock quite easily. So, and and then they'll absorb it over the next night.
0: Okay. And what about if they don't have day sleeps, but they're young enough that they They get get cranky if they're up too late? Okay.
1: Late three and four year olds. Late three and four year old, I'd accidentally give them a 15 minute car ride at about 3.34. And they might just doze off for 15 minutes and then they should make it through to the 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. The earliest you could put them to bed, if they had no sleep in the day, would be 6.30 in, in the adjusted time because then they'll sleep till about six in the morning.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So you either got one of two things happening. They're going to get crankier as the day goes on. So we're going to be gentle with them, bring dinner a little bit earlier, bring bath a little bit earlier, but they might be in bed more at the six thirty than the seven or whatever the half hour window is to where you normally put them down. And then I'd, you know, let them get through the night. they going going backwards is easier than going forwards yeah right yeah going forwards it keeps having a knock-on effect over the next couple of days but going backwards you just have to get to the point of where you normally put them to bed and it'll absorb overnight which sounds fabulous. Do you
0: do you ever recommend um, now that the days will be longer eventually and yeah. nights daylight right. out for longer. I've always found with my kids as the sun's up it's harder to yeah, get them to is. sleep.
1: Yeah, it is. It is much harder to get them sleep. That's why you got to stretch that first day out.
0: Are there any kind of things that you recommend? Is there anything to do apart from that? Like do you have do you put no. stock in blackout curtains or anything like that?
1: No, cuz usually it's the number of hours of sleep. Okay. In the in this initial part here and then there's that you know irritating the sun's up at quarter to six and everybody's up at quarter to six ah, in yes. that case I think you just got to ride it out until they readjust themselves because there's <laughs> loads of kids out there that don't get up at quarter to six because the sun's up right so it's more about that individual child I think more than it is I like it when children. the toddlers say it's not dark so I'm not going to bed imagine them in Scandinavia I mean they just never go to bed would they? <laughs> We filthy. If there's any Scandinavian people watching, <laughs> they us, have blackout filthy. curtains though. They have. They, they do. They have proper shutters.
0: We have a question for an older child here. This is from Tony. How do I stop back the back chatting of my major attitude Miss six year old. <laughs> I'm with you there. They've oh. got an attitude, don't they? Oh,
1: they do have an attitude.
0: Strong I willed, think
1: Tony. Um, consequences matter here. I think the strongest way to get to your child is to take away their strongest thing. If it matters so this is her biggest thing which is attitude and she's given it back to you other than doing the basic boundaries we don't talk like that you know all those family orientated rules if you've had a whole week of back chatting there's nothing like taking away something that really matters to her whether that's her ipad for a day whether that's a play date it works with this age group um but it is sort of six-year-olds it's sort of girls
0: I've got to say, when my daughter does it, this is totally not professional advice, Tony. This is the <laughs> Coming professional. From a mother. This is the mum. I, um, My daughter gives a lot of attitude, but she's also quite an intelligent and gentle soul. So when she's really mean to me, I get down on her level and I'm like, does mummy ever talk to you like that? My biggest draw card is if she, she hits a lot. When she hits uh, her brother, I say to her... Does mummy ever hit you? And she has to say no. And so I'm like, so if mummy doesn't hit you, why do you hit mummy? And actually, at six, she kind of she gets that. I mean, I don't do it often, but I do say to her, Oh, I much... don't talk like this. Don't talk to mummy. But
1: like have this. you ever done that empathy and sympathy thing? So okay. say she lashes out at at Arlo, mm. then you get there and you and you stand her there and you say Arlo because he's old enough now. Okay. Arlo, it's like... tell to know Sorry, Darcy. How it feels to be hit, mm. and then you say, "Arlo, tell Darcy what it you need to feel better, and then make her do it." Oh my God, they do that in the prison system. This is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually it's actually about empathy and sympathy. Yeah, you know, it's making her recognise that when she does it, it has a feeling attached to it. So there's a different. That's the lashing out. I think the attitude is much harder because mm. it's it's where she's coming from you know and you're trying to curb it and say and she hears things and you're trying to curb those sorts of things but if you have a really bad like I think she'll do it incidentally or they'll do it incidentally anyway but I think if they're having a really bad patch sometimes you've got to pull them up and make it matter yeah you've got to make it matter and that's a bad week of a lot of attitude and I I suspect if you're getting a lot of attitude there's something else going on over tiredness lots going on at school um it might be you know everyone's really busy and they haven't had enough time but you, what you've got to remember is you're in the attitude not what's on going on around her so you know you're giving a lot of attitude you're not listening so there's no iPad on the weekend you know just what I would think would be a common discipline or a common consequence but then I'd stand back and look and say well maybe we're expecting too much from her. Or maybe she's testing or maybe we've been working a lot this week and she hasn't had enough time, but you're actually disciplining the attitude, not, not who she is. And I reckon for mine, Tony, I don't know if you've got other children, but because
0: my daughter's the eldest, I think sometimes she just gets blamed for so much because she's the eldest.
1: Yeah, you've got to try it out on someone. That's why she's the <laughs> But she's going to get the first bike. And she's going to get all the nice clothes, <laughs> so you know you can be the eldest, but you get all these other benefits. Mm. But Whereas I do think that's
0: asking too much of her sometimes. You know, like you're the eldest, and that may be why she gets. But a bit you haven't, ex-
1: yeah, and also you haven't experienced it before. Like she's your first six-year-old,
0: so I can muck her up.
1: Yeah, so Arlo's sitting behind them, going, "Oh, I'm not going to do that because that happened." <laughs> You look really so good. I was very well behaved and I was the youngest. Yes.
0: So that might be Because your mother knew
1: what she was doing by the time <laughs> she got to you. <laughs>
0: we have a question from Melissa who has a new baby and a two and a half year old. So her baby's due in a month. Should we be moving my two and a half year old daughter out of her room and into a big bed before this new baby comes? The new baby will be in our room to start off with in a bassinet, but will eventually move into her cot in her current room. I've been wanting to keep her in the cot for as long as possible, (laughs) as I don't know how I'll get her to actually stay in In the the big big bed. bed. Is it good to do all these big changes before the new baby comes so there is more time between the new baby taking over her room? Otherwise, she might get a bit jealous or upset, question mark?
1: I think, Melissa, my general take on this is that I don't change anything in the toddler's life about a month to six weeks before a baby comes to a month to six weeks after a baby's come. So I think you're in a very, very fine line here. My gut feeling is I'd leave it in her cot for about six weeks after the baby comes. And then you've got this, let's make a big girl's room. You know, you're a big girl now and go out and buy, you know, wiggle pillowcases or whatever her favorite thing is dora the explorer or you know peppa pig and actually take her through the process of making a big room And I think she'll give up all of her baby things a lot easier by doing that. I think she's at the right age to go into bed. So if we took away the new baby, she's in the right age group to go into a bed. It's coming up summer, so it's an easy time to put her in a big bed. And I literally put a big bed into the big girl's room, and then I just pop her into bed exactly the same way you put her into the cot, except you're taking, if she's in a sleeping bag, you take the sleeping bag off. And I literally put them in there, and then I just... Shut the doors if she was in the cot. Now, some kids will get out and walk across the room for the first night. You just keep putting them back. Don't engage the conversation. You just keep saying, Back into your bed. It's time for sleep. On the second night, I get out the porticot, and if they get off the bed, I put them in the porticot. It's very uncomfortable. So, usually the next night, they stay in their bed.
0: I so, a few be. things
1: to try, but in, in the case of a new baby coming, I'd probably hold on for about six weeks and then try, six weeks after your baby is born and then try it then. So, not now? Not now. Okay. A bit too close. A bit too close. All right.
0: And uh, this question comes from Shana. Yeah. She has a formula fed 14 week old. Only, this uh, baby's only having a bowel movement, movement every three to five days and has been for the last three weeks. I've tried two different formulas with the same results. She doesn't seem in pain with it, but just want to check if she's okay to continue with this pattern or if I should try another formula. Should also say that she's been checked by the doctor and she's fine.
1: Yeah, some, some babies, they don't go very regularly. Um, and so they could go every three to four, three to five days. But if the dirty nappy that they're passing is soft and, and she's passing it quite easily and her tummy's soft, then there isn't actually a problem. That's just the way she's digesting it. If it's not, and she's getting more uncomfortable, um, I think it's, uh, I'd have to be careful with this, but there are some formulas on the market that, um, can help her with, um, going more regularly. Um, I would try a HA formula first because they're a little bit easier to digest. But at the moment, if she if she's been checked by the doctor and she's regular in what she's doing and that what she's doing is soft, then I would just leave it alone. It'll probably correct itself in a, you know when she gets a little bit older.
0: This is Kindling Helpline with MotherCraft nurse Chris Minogue. I'm Siobhan Hunt. And um, if you have any questions for Chris, we've probably only got time for one more today. However, if you're listening to us via Facebook or you're listening to us via the podcast, you can always email your question to us during the week and we'll get Chris to answer it next week. The email is conversation at kindling.com.au. Our last question comes from Rachel. She has a 17-month-old is there such a thing as too much day sleep for a 17-month-old? My daughter is in care three days and will usually have one sleep around 12 or 12.30 to one thirty or 2.00. If they put her down any earlier, it doesn't make her sleep longer. No. On her days with me, she goes down at 11.30, has lunch at 11, and sleeps two to three hours, usually around two and a half hours, getting us to 2 or 2.30 at the latest I feel like she plays a bit of catch-up on these days because of her short daycare sleeps. She wakes early, around 5.30ish. We never get her physically up till 6.15. Uh, we always try to resettle or leave her if she's just being a bit sooky. This rarely, if ever, results in her going back to sleep. She seems to wake early no matter what sleep she does during the day. Bedtime is usually 7pm, but if she only has one hour at daycare and is really tired, we put her down at 630 Alternatively, if she sleeps three hours till two thirty, for me bedtime is seven thirty. Is she having too much day sleep? She's also figured out how to undo the press stud on her sleeping bag and unzip herself out of it. Mm. I want to keep her in a cot for as long as possible. Do you recommend moving to a doona? That's Rachel.
1: Rachel, you're doing exactly all the right things. So let her catch up. She's not. Uh, there is such a thing as oversleeping where a baby has too much sleep and it affects their nights, but usually they're difficult to get down and they wake multiple times at night. I think she, you've judged her perfectly. So on her daycare days, where she has a shorter sleep, you put her to bed earlier. On her non-daycare days, letting her sleep till two thirty and putting her down at seven thirty is absolutely spot on. So I think you're doing all the right things. It's more about the press stud and unzipping herself more than anything that I'd be fixing. Um, But I think you're doing exactly the right thing for all of for her age and for her needs. So the press stud, no
0: doona, as in the. The sleeping bag. Yeah, she's saying, should she put uh, should she move to a doona and just get rid of the sleeping bag?
1: No, I don't like think uh, she's still young. I wouldn't put a doona in there. She wouldn't stay under it anyway. She'd stay on it. It's becoming summer, so you know the need isn't as great. But what I do is take her out of that particular design of a sleeping bag and I put her in one that has a zip in the middle. But I turn it around and put it on backwards. <laughs> and then she can sit there idea. for a long time trying to work out how to get out of that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know whether I think that's awesome or cruel. That's all. <laughs> it fits them. No worries. It's not cruel. Um, but, yeah, just go and maybe get a summer weight one but have the zip in the middle and put it on backwards and that pretty much solves that problem.
0: Brilliant. Well, Rachel, (laughs) thank you. And thank you to everybody else for your questions today. As always, Chris, thanks for coming in. That's always a pleasure. You can get in touch with us um, during the week, conversation at kindling.com.au. Don't forget that all of Chris's advice is available online for free on our app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.